0: Well, good morning. Thank you for being here. Let's begin with a prayer. Almighty Father in heaven, we're so very thankful for all that you've done for us. We're thankful, Father, for your word. We're thankful, Father, for your presence. We ask that you bless us now as we study your word. Give us the wisdom that you've promised us. Just be with us and bless us. For we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Just recently, I heard of a young child who asked her grandmother... Grandma, what does the word argument mean? The grandmother answered, Well, child, an argument is a discussion that starts when a woman knows she's right and ends when her husband finally realizes it. If I had just known that 42 years ago, my life would have been so much easier. What we mean when we use certain words is exceptionally important there are many words that are used incorrectly every day. We use a word incorrectly long enough, and the incorrect definition will become the correct or the common definition. And that can cause real problems. Faith is one of those words where we might not all share a common and correct definition. This can have a tremendous impact on our understanding of God's will for us and his spiritual promises for us. In 20 minutes, well actually 22 minutes, we don't have enough time to do a comprehensive study of faith. However, this is so important, I encourage you to go study this for yourself. Spend the time, spend the energy. What I hope to do this morning, however, is to hit some of the common issues, the common misconceptions associated with faith and talk about the practical application of faith in our lives what our faith is supposed to do for us in Christ one of the most prevailing misunderstandings about faith is that people often think that belief and faith are one and the same faith requires belief but faith is so much more than just believing in something galatians 3:22 says but the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. This tells us that we must believe in order to receive the promise of faith. Belief is necessary and leads to faith, but belief and faith are two different things. James chapter 2 makes this case that belief and faith are two different things very clearly. In James 2.19 it says, You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. James tells us that you can have belief without faith. Belief alone just doesn't cut it. Unfortunately, many in the world today, and perhaps some of us, have been roped into this misunderstanding of confusing faith with belief. The result can be devastating. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the free gift of God. This is one of the most important scriptures in the entire Bible. But if we think that passive belief is all that's required, then we don't appreciate just what it takes to save us. And we really don't understand the extent of God's grace. Passive belief won't cut it. It takes something much more powerful and dynamic to save us. Our faith channels God's power and grace. Belief can't do that. The second and probably biggest issue we see regarding faith is the relationship of faith and works. And we stumble over this all the time in the church. A number of years ago, I was teaching the teen class, and the class material was about faith. The little booklet we were using had a picture of a rowboat in it. And the rowboat was intended to reflect what faith was all about. The rowboat had two oars. And in the, in, the, in the picture, one oar was labeled faith, and the other oar was labeled works. And you may have seen that illustration. The intent was to show that to make the boat go straight, you needed both faith and works. You needed both oars on both sides of the boat. The scripture reading was James chapter 2, verse 14, where it says, What use is it, my brethren, if somebody says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? And in verse 17, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Well, that rowboat illustration is absolutely horrible. It is the worst thing I have ever seen because it gives entirely the wrong impression of what faith really is about. I can see James spinning in his grave every time we talk about faith and works because the great majority of the time we get it wrong. We miss his point entirely. When we talk about faith and work as two completely unrelated things, separate things, what does that mean to us when we talk about faith in general? Well, if one or is labeled faith and the other works, that means that the one labeled faith doesn't involve works. To be accurate according to James, you'd have to label that faith or the dead faith or, not the faith or, it's dead faith because it doesn't involve works. Works is a separate or according to that illustration. The terrible thing about that is if we follow that logic, if we go down that road, every time we talk about faith not involving works or works as something separate, we're talking about dead faith. That's what James talks about. Can dead faith save us? Of course not. Every time Paul and Peter and Jesus and the others talk about faith, are they talking about dead faith? Well, of course not. Every time we talk about Faith like that rowboat example did, where the faith they talk about is really dead faith, then we totally miss out on the promise and power of a living faith. And that's terrible. We have to be careful that we don't do that. Then there's other issues or other misconceptions that we might draw from the scriptures. When we read in Paul Paul's writings in Romans chapter three verse twenty eight, Paul says, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Galatians 2.16 says the same thing, and he repeats that thought twice in one verse. If we don't read this with understanding, we hear Paul saying that we're justified by faith apart from works. But then we read James, where he says that faith without works is dead and can't save anybody. So what gives here? It seems like they're disagreeing with one another. Actually, they are in perfect agreement. Paul's discussion in Romans and Galatians about the law was addressed to people who thought they could keep the law and earn their salvation, something that's totally impossible. There's absolutely no way we can merit salvation in and of ourselves It is the free gift of God. Every time Paul talks about works, he does it in the context of works of the law. What he's contrasting is the fact that the law and keeping the law can't save us. But faith in Jesus Christ can. James is addressing a different problem. And we've talked about this a little bit. James is talking about the people who confuse belief and faith. There were those in James Day that he's writing to that thought you could believe your way into heaven. And that's nonsense. We cannot do that. Both are talking about the need for and the need to rely on a faith that is powerful and vibrant and living. The whole point is that an integral part of faith, an essential part of faith, a vibrant, powerful faith, is putting that faith into action, using the power of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer demonstrates this over and over again with many examples of faith. He says, By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. By faith, Rahab welcomed the spies into her house putting her life on the line for God's plan. All of these individuals did things by faith. Faith involves doing, not just believing, but doing. The concept of the power of faith is discussed in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. Paul says, To this end also we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness in the work of faith with power note Paul talks about the work of faith with power I believe so many Christians don't appreciate the power that comes with faith power that's available to us to experience to use what's sad about this is when we don't know any better we don't expect any better in the air and space museum uh, downtown, there is an <laughs> X-15 rocket plane on display. It hangs from the ceiling, sort of looks like it's flying. Has a little plaque underneath of it, giving the statistics. Talks about how high it flew and how fast it was. Flew over 60 miles high, 4,500 miles per hour. Records that still stand some 50 years after it last Flew. I want my grandson, Theo, to see that and experience and to get the thrill, the adventure of flight, and pushing the envelope. But that little plaque doesn't mean much to a five-year-old. And frankly, it doesn't mean a lot to me as a 62-year-old. All we see is a relic, a powerless, inert relic, a representation of past glory. And it's sad. Now, what would really be impressive if I got to go for a ride? <laughs> now, that would be something. To experience Travel fasting, traveling faster than a speeding bullet to the very edge of space. Faith is like that. It can't be something we just look at and talk about how great it is. Too many of us do that, with no expectation of experiencing the ride. I want to strap myself in the cockpit of that X-15. I want to light that rocket engine. I want to feel the massive acceleration as it puts me back in the chair. I want to see the world flash by as off I go. Too many of us are missing the ride of our lives spiritually because we misunderstand what faith is all about and don't have any expectation of what it really means to live a life experiencing the power of God working in our lives. All too often we miss the fact that Jesus invites us to go for that ride, the ride of our life. In Matthew chapter 17, the disciples came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we do such and such? Jesus answered him them in, in verse 20, Because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing, get that, nothing will be impossible to you. We read that and we don't believe it, do we? We rationalize and we say, well, Jesus was just exaggerating to prove a point of how powerful faith is. Or we might say, well, he was talking to the apostles, and this was a special case, and this really doesn't apply to us. On the contrary, Jesus said what he meant, and he meant what he said. God is no respecter of persons. He does not play favorites. Some of the things that the apostles did were very special, and they were done for very special reason. But that in no way implies or means that God's power working in us today is any less than what was available to the apostles in Jesus' day. Paul reinforces this idea in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, and I just love this. I could just repeat this over and over. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. We can't even imagine what God can do for us. According to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You know, that scripture just thrills my soul. Well, I I like boats. Uh, And that horrible rowboat illustration that I talked about earlier got me to thinking. What faith is really like is an outboard motor. And, And I just... I just happen to have one. It, it, isn't that cute? Uh, this is a lovely little outboard motor. This engine converts the power of gasoline into usable work that can propel us forward. It can take us places. Faith is exactly like that. Faith converts the almighty power of God in our lives to something that can propel us forward, that can take us places, ultimately to heaven. It's powerful stuff. I thought about running this in the baptistry. I mean, the Ethiopian eunuch did say to Philip, there be water, what hinders us? So it's sort of scriptural. But but I thought better of it. I thought maybe that wouldn't be such a good idea maybe some other time. We won't rule that out in the future. 22 years ago, Susan and I bought a house in the water not far from here. There was an old rowboat that was abandoned on the property. Well, I cleaned it up and I painted it. Susan and I spent many enjoyable hours putting up and down the creeks in our neighborhood uh, with that $75 dollar Uh, yacht that we had, old rowboat, my little motor. One day as we were nearing the house, we came across a very big, very expensive cabin cruiser adrift in the creek. Well, in keeping with the code of the sea, I offered help. So the guy, he had engine troubles, couldn't get the engines working in the boat, so he threw me a line, I tied it to the back of our 12-foot rowboat. Started the engine, and this must have looked ridiculous (laughs) to anybody that was watching. Susan and I in our $75 yacht with our little bitty motor, pulling this big cabin cruiser worth several thousand times as much. Well, started the engine, put it full throttle, and it smoked, and it roared, and nothing. And I thought, well, maybe this wasn't such a good idea after all. But after a while... Lo and behold, we started moving very slowly. But then we started picking up a little speed. We towed that cabin cruiser all the way up the creek to the guy's dock and let him off. This little motor highlights something very special about faith. Remember Jesus saying that all we needed was faith the size of a mustard seed, a very tiny seed, and we could move mountains. Like Jesus said, a little faith can do remarkable things because of the power of the one who dwells in us, Christ Jesus. That power is so very, very great, we should expect the remarkable. If we were really to believe that, that what Jesus told his disciples applies to us, how in the world would we deal with it? For accepting it would mean that we'd have to drastically change our expectations about faith and the power that goes with it. Brethren, I believe we can move mountains through the power of Almighty God, which dwells in us through His Son, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but it seems like the world is just spiraling out of control. Evil seems to be growing everywhere, and it seems that we're losing, and it can be very discouraging, isn't it? don't be discouraged those mountains have been there we just haven't perhaps seen it but thank god that maybe we're now seeing the mountains we're seeing mountains all around us mountains that need to be moved and mountains that we with the power that comes through faith in christ jesus can move to the glory of god the father we see mountains of immorality Mountains of ignorance, mountains of indifference and apathy, mountains of hate, mountains of depression, loneliness and unhappiness, mountains of selfishness. You might say, yes, that's true, but what can I do? Well, in and of ourselves, we can't do much. But through faith in Jesus Christ, with his power working through us, nothing is impossible. He promised us that. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not just a bunch of good words. That's a call to action and a call to victory. Rather than feeling helpless when we see evil and injustice, we must remember God's power working in us. Know for a fact that God's power will be seen. Every knee will bow. All things will be brought into subjection to the king. We need to be part of that, and we can be part of that. We must stand up against immorality. When we hear that our elected officials, and there aren't many that do this, but some of our elected elected officials are standing up for the truth, are standing up for what's good against evil, let's support them. Send them an email. Tell them how much we appreciate what they're doing. Let them know whose side you're on. Pray for them. Pray hard for them. We see Hollywood, prominent sports figures, the media, major businesses, all working against what's moral, decent, and good. We have to let our voices be heard. When you see ignorance, teach the good news. Don't keep your mouth shut. If you can't teach, bring people to fellowship. Remember the impact that Andrew had when he brought his brother, Simon Peter, to Jesus. When you see hate demonstrate God's love, not tolerance of sin. That's what many people think that Christian love should be. But tolerance and empathy for people caught up in sin and help to those who need it. And all of that might seem small and simple enough, but even so, those actions, and many like them, actions that are well within our capability, if done in faith, and that's the key, if done in faith, We'll focus the power of God on these problems and all things will change. Mountains will move. But sometimes we don't feel like mountain movers, do we? Remember in 1 Kings 19, Elijah had just had a great day, victorious over the prophets of Baal. But afterwards he was tired and depressed. Remember, Jezebel was threatening his life. God told Elijah, and he tells us today, the same thing. When we do get tired and depressed, and it happens, God tells us, get something to drink, get something to eat, rest a bit, and get back to work. Keep pushing. We might say that no one listens to us, so why keep trying to share the faith? Jesus knew that would happen. When he sent his disciples out, he said, "Look, when they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and keep going." When people won't listen to us when they won't receive the truth, Jesus tells us to just shake it off. Shake it off. It'd be a great title for song. Jesus beat Taylor Swift to that by over 2000 years. When they won't listen to the truth, shake it off. Keep pushing. When it doesn't seem like our efforts are amounting to anything, that we're not accomplishing anything no matter how hard we push, just remember that some mountains crumble from the inside out. We might not see the impact we're having, but living a life in faith, God promises us results. Keep pushing. Sometimes we question what good is the little bit that I can contribute Sometimes we feel that our faith is so small, we're so weak. If you can't, if you haven't listened to anything, just listen to this one last sentence. Jesus tells us that no matter how small our faith is, it's enough if we rely on Him. It's enough if we rely on Him. That's a wonderful promise. And as far as the strength that we bring to the table, it's irrelevant. We're not talking about our strength and our power. We're talking about God's strength, God's power working in us. Keep pushing. Keep pushing in faith. We simply have to let the power of God that's available to us come through. There are mountains to be moved, and we have both the blessing and the responsibility to move them. Well, running the outboard motor in the baptistry was a bad idea. Bad demonstration of faith. What would be a good demonstration of faith, however, is to use the baptistry for what it was intended to be used for. And we offer that now. Galatians 3 tells us that we put Christ on in baptism. That's how we access the power of faith. That's where it all begins. Faith is the concentrated power of Almighty God working in us. The directions say to just add water. If we can do that for you this morning or if there's anything else that we can do for you to help you in any way, why don't you make your needs known as together we stand and sing.